Hi everyone and welcome back to the Bliss Bakery where you'll get your wholesome slice of life. I'm Rachel. I'm Vicky. And I'm Elian. I bring back my favourite duo from season one, Vicky and Elian, who you may remember from my moving out episode. Fun fact, that episode was the second most listened to episode from season one, coming just behind the toxic friendship one. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> These two don't really need an intro, but I will share that we're about to head to Japan together at the end of the month for three weeks of skiing, eating and exploring. So very excited about that. Woo-hoo. So the theme for this episode is quarter life crises. I just turned 26 a few weeks ago and I am feeling it. It's a pretty commonly shared feeling for people around our age because we're just getting older and starting to see a new chapter of our lives beginning. So I thought I'd bring in Vicky and Elian, who are also in the midst of their quarter-life crises. Is that right? Very much so. (laughs) Yeah, pretty accurate. How's life going? Two words, downward spiral. (laughs) What's going on, guys? What questions are we struggling with in life right now? Like how is our quarter-life crises manifesting at the moment? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I think my main one is what I want to be doing as a career. I've been uh, in the banking industry for about five years now. And after coming back from the AO earlier this year, I've realized that, you know, I don't really want to be doing your standard nine to five, um, just sitting at a desk all day. So yeah, it's just about finding a career which would give me fulfillment, I guess. Has it only been recently you felt this way or was it because of the trigger of going to AO? I'd say that was the main trigger, but I think it's kind of been uh, building up for like this past year or so. I think it's just like a build up of me not really liking my job. (laughs) But I think a lot of people feel that way as well, because when you go into your career as a grad, you kind of don't know what you want to do and you just start off doing something. And most people start to discover what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I can't eat, like, it's, it's, so, it's so, like, fresh to me that I can't really even, like, put it into words. Yeah. What was it about AO that made you feel that way? So I think, like, oh, I'd just come back from Thailand as well. And then I worked for, like, what, three days. And within the three days, like, the workload was just, like, messed up. So that kind of just made me, uh, I don't know, it just turned me off work. Um, and then straight away I was like gone to the AO again, mm. which I still technically was working while I was there in Melbourne. But, um, yeah, I was just on like an extreme high, like <laughs> after like watching tennis every day, like. And, and meeting your, uh, your idol. Yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us the story about meeting oh. Emma Raducanu. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like. Well, okay, so I went, I went to, obviously, like, she's my favourite uh, player on the tour, on the women's tour. The main reason I did go was to watch her live because um, I missed out last year. And then, yeah, after watching the match, uh, I met her and she, like, signed the little sign that I made for her. Um, yeah, I was just, like, on an all-time high. It just felt so surreal. I was, like, just questioning life. Like, I think I was just, like, in awe of, like, all these tennis players and like seeing them like put in the work. Yeah. It's like seeing people who like they live very different lives and their job is so different to ours. Like corporate is just no one lives to to do corporate, right? 
Yeah. Whereas when people are in careers like tennis, I guess they're just, they don't have a nine to five. They're just training all the time. Like their life is their job. Yeah. And some people might think that that is like a bit much because you want work-life balance. But I guess like when you're doing your passion for your job, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Yeah. That, that's a good point, actually. Like I basically realized that sitting at a desk writing loan applications isn't what I want to be doing. It's not what gives me fulfillment. It's like me being out there, like meeting new people, hearing different stories, like around the sporting industry is probably what I want to do. Like mm. for now, at least mm-hmm. who knows what will happen in the future, but I guess that's where the quarter life crisis comes in. Mm. I think it's very valid. Do you feel like you've only discovered it recently? Like, no, it's been pretty consistent. Like all the way, I'd say it's the, probably the only thing that stayed consistent throughout, like, you know, from my childhood all the way up till now. Like, yeah, it's always what I like to do. But, um, you know, coming from an Asian household, like, it's not really the values that my mum made a priority. Um, so she, not not that she wasn't supportive, but she didn't really have the right means to, like, build or develop my my skills in that in that way. It was very much, you know, get your education right first. Is that the same for you, Elian? Mm. Like what you want to do now is not at ends with what you were raised to do? Uh, I think I probably followed the path that was like expected by my parents in terms of if it's what I want to do, that's sort of like a goal this year to discover is like find something that I actually like have more interest in. So for context, right now I'm in tech slash consulting slash engineering uh, I don't know like I'm just doing like dev work and while it's like it's interesting and I'm like learning it there's not like that underlying fulfillment from actually doing the work and I think it's a bit hard because not everyone can like necessarily like live that what their dream is like obviously we all dream to do like uh, like play like sports but that isn't always necessarily the case and not isn't can't always necessarily be true as well so for me now it's kind of like trying to find at least the next step in like work that I would find meaningful. Mm. So do you feel like your quarter life crisis is in career mainly as well or is it other things that combine with that? It's a balance of maybe like career and a bit of just like living life in general. I think there's a little bit of like FOMO seeing like a lot of friends who have either one maybe like moved overseas to do work or like have just like an extended amount of time like exploring the world like doing doing what they want and also a balance of like okay I need to put my head down in the first like couple of years of work and then grind really hard and um, like try build like my portfolio like my skill set first and I think the difficult part was well I think Lucas and I came from like a six year degree. And that probably put like a bit of pressure because as soon as we graduated, we were what, 24, yeah, 24, which isn't necessarily late, but you're a year away from technically your quarter life crisis already. Um, And then people who maybe finish work or finish uni um, after three or four years, they started early. They had like that time in between to sort of like travel and like do whatever they want. Um, But for us, it's like we're nearing that age where it's like, okay, we've hit 25 we're in that second state, like second half of it now. Um, but technically neither of us have really traveled all that much or like done all, anything like particularly uh, independent. 
Yeah. And you guys were going to go on exchange in that last year, but then COVID hit and that would have been like your opportunity, I guess, to go overseas and like live a life where it is a bit more independent or you're exploring the world and you kind of lost that chance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a big kicker, to be honest. I, I reckon if we actually went to exchange and got to explore like America and like live that life, the thirst for all this travel and like wanting to do it, this would probably like probably be a bit lower. Yeah. What do you feel like you would have done on exchange that would be different to what you're doing now? Like you're still moved out and living independently. So what would have been the big difference? Well, if I actually went on exchange, probably I wouldn't have been in a rush to move out, to be honest. Even moving out was a bit of a spontaneous decision, um, as we spoke about on the last episode. But yeah, I'm not even too sure. I think it just would have been an experience. And then like having that independence, like... I think what he's trying to say is like moving out was kind of just to supplement the fact that he didn't get, get to go. And if he had have gone to... Um, wherever for exchange it's kind of just like being in a different country being away from family and friends like that real element of like independence really kicks in and I think it's much more eye-opening when you're like halfway across the world like yeah I feel like you're actually forced to probably just learn a bit more about yourself like in Sydney where it's sort of in a bit of a bubble and Mm. that is also part of like that quarter life crisis where it feels like every week we're kind of on like a repeat cycle. I'm not saying it's like bad. I'm sure people are experiencing much worse, but it just feels very like, yeah, it's just repetitive. Um, And then it gets a bit like, I guess, fatiguing when you're like thinking, okay, like it is is now February. It's so first world problem. Yeah, Yeah, it's actually a very first world problem. There's people dying to live like us. (laughs) Yeah, people are dying to live, earthquakes and shit are happening all over the world. Like, like that can be a lot worse. I'm just saying, yeah, <laughs> and that's just our version that's of a like, quarter life crisis. Yeah, exactly. That's where it kicks in. But I think that's a good point. Like people, people will never be happy, fully happy in their lives. And I think like people in different situations, for example, in third world countries where there's war and all that stuff, like their focus is just survival. But because we have the privilege not to have to think about that, we have to think about the next level up, I guess, which is then like, we start to think about, oh, what do I want to do in life? Like, how do I want to make the most of my life? Whereas some people are just like, how do I just live day to day? Humans are so self-sabotaging. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like generational though, no? Like our parents probably, like I am, I for sure think that my mom probably doesn't want to be doing what she wants to do. And my dad, the same. Like mm. they have their own individual hobbies and interests that they would rather pursue. But they came from a culture of like, okay, we just got to put into the hard yards, earn money, raise a family. And now we're in a privileged state of being like, okay, our parents put in the work. Some people are still in, have that mindset instilled where it's like we work for a family and we work to like do that. Um, but we also have this abundance of opportunity given to us in this like day and age. And it's kind of like a bit of analysis paralysis. You're like, okay, which way can I go? But there are so many avenues to actually pursue. And it's also like almost daunting. Mm. And it's funny because like when you talk about these problems probably to your family, like your parents, they don't understand as much because they're like, wait, you should just do the thing that will help you like succeed or get to the next step or make enough money to be safe. Mm. But because we've been given that privilege, I guess, now we're like, I don't care about money. I want to think about what I'm passionate about and what I want to do as the priority. 
Spot on. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. But yeah, I feel that good. as well. Like sometimes I think about if I didn't have to work, what would I do? And it'd probably be something in the creative industry, like mm. make YouTube videos, I don't know, make podcasts or like do something that's more creative. Yep. And sometimes I think at the end of the day, for most humans, if you like ask them, if you didn't have to make money, you didn't have to go to your job, what would you do? A lot of people will say something creative like, oh, I would paint or I would do, I don't know, just like something mm. that is more of a hobby that you don't really think of as your natural job. Just like back to the bare, like basics. Like. Yeah. Tennis. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> just like things people actually want to do. And that's where we, I guess we struggle with this quarter life crisis. It's like we're coming to a realization that there are things we actually want to do, but then we need to work. And we're like, we're spending 40 hours, probably more a week working. And I mean, a lot of that time could be spent on things we care about. Do you feel like the quarter life crisis is more evident in our generation because of like things like social media, for example, 100%. like we're, we're so overly exposed to seeing other people live their lives. And like, like, for example, even on TikTok, you're like, oh, I'm, you know, 21 years old and I just bought my first Lamborghini. And like, you're like, you see all these things that could like, you just desire. I'm not saying I desire Lamborghini, but like, I guess for like travel, for example, that for us, I think is probably just fueling that like crisis. And like, oh, okay, shit. like I want to be doing that thing. But like, how can I get from point A to point B? Yeah, it's that FOMO, right? Like I could be doing more or I could have more or like you're comparing yourself to other people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's how I've probably been feeling lately in terms of thinking about my age. And especially I, I struggle a lot in career as well. Like I think I'm in a good position. I'm in a good company, all that kind of stuff. But then I've been in my role for three years now and you see the very common thing across young people now is to kind of jump from role to role and like people are suddenly jumping to like a head of a department or like they're in a startup and they're suddenly like super really super high up mm. and I've been in the same role for maybe the last like one and a half to two years. So even though I feel like I'm content and I'm doing well, I still have this feeling sometimes of like, Am I, should I be pushing myself further or I like, should I jump company to get to a higher role because everyone else is doing it? But I don't really like deep down, I'm happy, but then you, you get worried. Like, is there, am I being too complacent and I'm not pushing myself further because I'm still young and I should be like, I don't know, going out there and like really hustling. Mm. Do you know, or do you know like what the next step would be for like someone in your position or like industry? Like from a progressive, from a progression pathway, like there's a very clear ladder of promotions, but then the alternative is like go to a startup and become like jump two levels up or just a lot of people are quitting and starting their own companies. And you're like, wow, we're not super young anymore. And there are people out there who are just like doing their own thing and being founders yeah, but everyone has like their risk adversity, right? Like for them, that's probably just their, they're just going to set full send it. But like, I think for, at least for me, it's like my parents have instilled in me this like very passive level of like progression. Like you should just like climb the corporate ladder and like slowly or like jump, jump jobs to job. 
and never like that startup life was never any never spoken of like doing your own business or like doing things like they would always say no that's too risky like don't do that mm. yeah there's two ways i think like when i was brought up i was like very much um kind of very much under the same mindset like my parents will came from a very like humble <laughs> humble family where they, we didn't have much money at all so um like the main priority was kind of just you know make money um, pay off your debts and then you can enjoy the time that you have outside of work that's kind of the main thing like and even like my sister like uh, my older sister is she's I very much like followed in her footsteps for most my life now like she got into banking I got into banking and um, she's still under the same mindset like she still operates the same way she's very much you know oh, um, just work my nine to five work hard get promoted and then you know it's very play by the books. But for me, the quarter life crisis comes in where it's like, I don't want to be doing that. I kind of want to do it differently. Like success, I feel like doesn't have to, um, it does come with hard work, but it doesn't have to come with your usual like method. It's like, I, I want to achieve success through an unorthodox method. That's what, that's what I'm kind of thinking like mm. lately. And success is like not the same for every person. Exactly. How it's yeah. defined. Yeah. So success for me is basically just having financial freedom and being able to do what I want with my own time. And I, I, like from seeing social media, I think a lot of that is kind of like being self-employed. But mm. to me, that's not really an option. Like I don't know where to start. Um, You're at a crossroads. Yeah, man. I feel that as well because when I was young in high school, not that long ago actually, but it's when like I was in high school, yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah, it was, honestly, it's been almost a decade since being out of high school. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Next year is a decade, isn't it? Yeah. The year after? No, next year. Next year. Oh, and God. the next year. <laughs> but back then I was very ambitious and I remember when I was choosing my degree for uni, I talked to my career counsellor and I was like, I want to study a double in uh, in like business and also <laughs> like medicine. <laughs> oh. And then she was like, that's not possible. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think she's in the right career. Because <laughs> I think like technically they're both um, full-time degrees. So you can't do them at the same time. Mm. Maybe that's what she was saying. Mm. But the reason why I wanted to do that and the other thing I wanted to do was like I want to study overseas um, in some Ivy League school or whatever it is. So I did the SATs when I was in year 12 as well. Sheesh. But the only reason I did those things was because I was ambitious and I wanted to be like I wanted to lead an exceptional life for some reason. Um, and then over time I think like just having the experiences that I've had uh, in like working really crazy and consulting and all those sorts of things – I think there was a shift in me that made me realize, wait, work-life balance is so much more important to me. And once you're at that, you know, whatever exceptional thing you're doing, like why are you doing it? People may say, oh, she's really amazing, but that lasts for like a second and then you have to live with that life. Whereas I started to realize that being happy was probably more important to yourself. Like once you get to the end of your life and you look back, if you were, if you lived it happily throughout the whole time, like you maximize that time that you're happy, then maybe that's better than being like the number one doctor business person in the world. Mm. But I'm like at this age that I am now, I'm like in that shift where I'm still a little bit torn from 
oh, I wanted to be someone when I was younger and now I'm living the life I kind of didn't want to live when I was younger. Right. And so there's this feeling of like, am I just falling into that? Like I used to think of it as like mediocrity because it's mm. just like everyone else. We're just living the same lives as everyone else, I guess. And I don't know, maybe it's just like an ego thing and maybe it's a maturity thing, but that's what I've been struggling with. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can relate to like some degree. Like right now I'm still very much leaning towards the, you know, happiness comes first. Um, but I think I recently like what clicked for me was kind of like they say the grass is greener on the other side, but in actual fact you realise the grass is greener where you water it. So it's kind of just like being present and in like enjoying that, like whatever you're doing right now. So for me that's why it's kind of pushed me to be like, um, do what makes you happy right now. So mm. for me, it's kind of like getting into the sporting industry, whether it's like, you know, event management, whatever. Um, so I think my next steps are very much to upskill and like I, I don't mind making the sacrifice to um, get a job like entry level into something that I would enjoy every day as opposed to, you know, um, being at yeah, at a bank, like it's like <laughs> like stable, like financially yeah, yeah. stable. Like obviously banking would be paying me more if I were to move into the next step, but mm. I'm very much happy to make that sacrifice to move a step backwards mm. in a sense um, to do what I like to do. Did you feel like it's a bit – for me you, you feel conflicted though because you're like, okay, a step backwards mean, means less pay and then you're like, crap, got a mortgage on or like I need to pay – like how am I going to afford like holidays and stuff and like all these like <laughs> – all these secondary thoughts and consequences start like pouring in as well. And it's like, okay. That's, yeah. yeah. So that's the only thing that's holding me back. My financial, like, um, I guess, uh, burden. It's literally the only thing holding me back. Like in the last, let's say three weeks, I've literally asked myself so many times, like, why did I buy that investment property back then? Like, w- like now I'm tied down by a mortgage. I can't be doing things. I can't be, I can't be like traveling whenever I want because I need to be, locked in in a role getting paid consistently to be able to meet those demands part of it's like you want that financial independence you want that financial stability but in order to be happy you need to make sacrifice of such a big priority in your life as well like at some stage like if you want to list your top three priorities in life right now it'd be like financial stability like friends and family and whatnot yeah um and then like i guess like happiness some but then in order to be happy you need to knock down the other ones and then it's like just a bit unfortunate that you have to pick and choose. Yeah, it all like it's, it all just depends on your priorities and like what you're willing to sacrifice basically. Like do you want to travel now or do you want to follow the thing that you are passionate about and you might make less money in which means you have to cut out some of the travel or like do you want to move do you want to be moved out or do you care as much about like living at home? And then you kind of just like trade off on those things and if you feel like like the one that I I don't agree with as much as like if you want to buy a house right now, like, or like you're saying, uh, I shouldn't take a job somewhere else that pays me less because I need to buy a house. I think where we are at is kind of like, we need to remind ourselves we're actually pretty young, but it feels like because everyone else around us is doing that thing um, and you're taking a job that's like lower paying and you're not able to afford a house now or in like the next three years or whatever it is, then you feel like you're falling off track to everything else. Um, And then we feel like we're getting older and older and we're like, oh no, like we're never going to make it. But realistically, like even if you take that lower paying job in the next 10 years and you're just like, I guess, saving up slowly for it, 
if you hit 35, you're still young, you can still buy a house. I mean, like those are the sorts of things I feel like once you get to 26 to 30, you start to think about and you're worried you're never going to get to it because you want to rush things in your young adult life to get to that point because everyone else is doing it. Yeah, agreed. Especially if all your friends are also somewhat following that pathway and it feels really weird to be like that black sheep as well. If I could sell my house right now, I'd sell it in a heartbeat. But for more money. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> no, maybe not now. Come on, RBA. <laughs> You're crap together. So many things to think about. And it, in a sense, it's kind of like you feel like, okay, you're, you're 25, 26. You feel like, you know, a lot of the idols or like, you know, um, people that you look up to in social media, they're so much younger. Take, for example, what Eileen Gu. Mm. She's 19 this year, 20. Crazy. And she's like, what, broken how many records in sporting yada yada? Mm. She's like successful, rich. She looks like she does what she likes for a living, right? Um, and you feel like you've kind of missed that opportunity because you're 10 years ahead of them now or like what, five, five to 10 years ahead of them and you haven't really achieved anything that you can look back on and be like, whoa, I did this. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's scary because you feel like you're behind. But then yeah, I also like have to remind myself compared to a lot of people, I'm like a few steps ahead in a sense where it's like, you know, I have a property, like I'm moved Maybe, out yeah, can moved afford food out. Like, yeah, I'm living like when it comes down to it, I am living the lifestyle that I, I like to live I, I won't say I hate it like it's just um more so about you know what I want to be spending majority of my time on and majority of my time is given to work so what do I want to be doing for work right now mm. and yeah a lot of people probably think you know you're 25 you should be on the rise um and you should be like climbing the ladder towards you know being the best at what you do but for me, the quarter life crisis is just, I, I'm taking a step back and I'm starting something completely new. And so it's like, it's really daunting to be honest. Um, but do you know what it is that you're working towards? Because then it doesn't matter. Like, are you taking a step? What are you taking a step back from? Yeah. You if know? you asked me this like a month ago, um, I'll just be screaming in my pillow every day and I wouldn't be able to give you an answer, but I've had some time to do some deep thinking and I think right now it's um, just hashing it out for the next two months or so. And, yeah, I have been job hunting as well, having a look around, seeing what's available. Um, there are quite a few, like, entry-level roles. I saw, I saw online, I think, um, like the Department of, like, Sport or something for New South Wales. They're doing, like, a there's, like, a five-year project where they're trying to um, increase the engagement in, in tennis um, across the country so so that's probably what I want to work towards yeah that's such a good first step already just like having an idea or like knowing the next step and being able to take like the next step as well because for some people they just don't even know like what it is they want to do next <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's me <laughs> um yeah so I guess in that regard you're already you're ahead of me on your <laughs> crisis journey Vicky um yeah, I'm not, I'm in that phase at the moment where I have no idea what my next job could be or would I would want it to be. Um, and this thought kind of occurred uh, when I got pr promoted. Like as soon as that happened, the next month after, like my level of motivation was like at an all-time low for work. Like I just really couldn't care about anything. Like, sorry, team, I did care. I did do the work. Um but I just like didn't 
feel like there was any fulfillment in doing the job because I knew as soon as the promotion happened, I was like, what's next? Like for me, it's like, okay, you go from consultant to senior consultant or senior engineer to a manager, what's after manager, associate director. And in the corporate ladder, the responsibilities are like pretty well defined. It's like you're a manager, you look after a team of people, you get projects sorted out, directors and whatnot, you know, you help um, bring in work for the firm. And obviously this is just speaking from the consulting lens. But at that point, I was like, I don't want to do any of that. Mm. Like, I'm like, I, I like software. I find it interesting. And I would like coding is fun and building things is fun. But I can't imagine myself in any sort of like managerial role. Like, or at least like I can't envision myself in the um, shoes of the like people above me, like and what they're doing at the moment. And then that clicked. And I was like, okay, what next? Like, mm. I have no idea. Like, if I'm not getting, if I'm not moving up, my pay doesn't go up. And then, like, I'm at, like, this, like, plateau of just doing the same thing over and over again as well. Yeah. No, I get that. I feel the same way, actually. Like, I'm happy in my role, right? But I don't know what the next step is either. Like, if you think about your future, like, five years or whatever from now, and you're on the same track you're on, it's, like, you get promoted to senior product manager, lead product manager. And then like eventually what happens, you become some leadership, like in some leadership position or like a CPO or whatever it is. But sometimes when I think about that, I'm like, I don't want to do that. One is like, there's a ton of stress that comes with that, that I don't think that I just want to do, but then I don't know what, like, how do I keep moving forwards then? Or do I just stay where I am? And then I have this feeling of like, well, I'm stagnant and I'm stuck. So it's like exactly the same feeling. Um, I know like I guess it, it maybe it gets easier in your 30s where you find yourself and you have a family and then like your priorities shift because I've got a guy in my team who he is at like a senior or like a lead developer role right now and last year I was talking to him about like performance reviews and his goals that he was talking to his manager about and he was like I told him I don't have any career goals like my goal is to not get fired like and I'm talking to my manager about like oh I want to get to the next promo and those sorts of things but he's just satisfied with where he is Mm. so I'm like how do you find that peace do you so I actually was listening to a podcast um it's called the school of greatness and he had some feature uh guests for do you know Jay Shetty yep like that uh like I don't know monk dude i don't know what he does actually but he'll just like he, he like provides like life advice essentially um and they discuss like finding purpose in your life and like, or like how to find purpose in your life and for example maybe in your manager's position his purpose isn't so much to get fulfillment from his job but his purpose is i have a young family that i need to take care of i'm content with work i just need to be making enough money to raise them well enough and like put them in like a safe space and that's, that's his purpose. Like that's where he finds fulfillment from. And I think for us sitting in this like quarter life crisis, we don't like, we don't really have, or at least like, or like we yeah. don't, a lot of us, I would say for the most part, don't know what our purpose is. Like yeah. we don't know like what we want to be doing, like any, any meaningful things that we want to be doing. And like, we don't have a family to take care of. So for us, it's like, we can't be like, oh, I want to raise family for like imaginary family that we don't have. Or we don't have, um, like, oh, we want to, like, do stuff in the education industry. But, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, 
there's no direction, clear like purpose and direction that we want to work towards as well. And I think that's probably like what's actually fueling, at least for me, my quarter life crisis. So how do you find your purpose? Yeah, I kind of fell asleep during the podcast. So I didn't actually finish the rest of it. Um, but from memory, there was like stuff that he said about not really doing stuff for desire, which is what I think a lot of us chase is like, TikTok and stuff that probably like fuels our desires. Like we want to, we desire travel. We desire like, um, I don't know, fancy meals or like, um, but he said to just like chase like meaning behind work. So whether that's like, he, he said doing stuff as like a service rather than like for desire, if that makes sense. You're like serving people and like you, if you like and finding meaning behind that. So for him, his was like, I want to share like wisdom and that's, that's his purpose. Yeah. So kind of on that journey to find what my purpose is. I feel like a lot of um, when people talk about meaning a lot, at the end of the day, it seems like those who find meaning are often talking about I do things to help other people. Like I, they get to this point of self-actualization where helping other people is the biggest value of their life. But I don't know, maybe I'm not at that point yet because sometimes you will think like what – what are examples of doing that? It's like maybe going overseas and building a school for kids, you know, those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm going to find purpose from that yet. And I don't want to like sound selfish in, do- in saying that, but like if I realistically think about it, maybe it's just because I haven't tried it yet. Will I feel a sense of purpose from doing that? I'm not going to lie. It did cross my mind to actually just like go overseas for like a year and find like, or obviously do a bit of work here and there, but find volunteering opportunities. And I don't know whether that's like the cliche thing to do these days. Everyone just like volunteers and goes build schools in like third world countries. But like, I won't know until I try. Mm. Should we do that next year? <laughs> yep. Should we go overseas on a volunteering trip? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> this year 100%. is Japan, next year is volunteer. <laughs> yeah, well, we can, we can sack our snow trips and just go volunteering instead. <laughs> I think like probably taken like a very literal like understanding of that like or interpretation of that like you could be help like you don't have to be helping people by directly helping them by what building a school so kids get educated like it could be in a sense where you're doing what you love and the outlook that you have towards what you're doing inspires other people to be better in that sense it doesn't have to be helping them like you know mm. spoon feeding them whatever mm. like I think, yeah, it depends on how you interpret that. I like that. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be direct. I think like naturally in careers, we work so that like naturally you're helping other people in some sense, whether it be direct, like I said, or like on a smaller scale. Like I feel like when you're just at the best version of yourself, you're already helping other people because you're someone to look up to. Like, that's what I feel like. I mean, for my quarter life crisis, I've just realized, you know, I'm just going to focus on myself. I want to do what I want to do. So for me, like getting into the sporting industry, whatever it is, it's my goal is to kind of just travel the world, see like, you know, see more places for myself and interact with more people. So I think in that journey, I'll naturally be able to help people. I don't know what exactly it is yet. That's probably what the quarter life crisis is. (laughs) Oh my God, am I a I don't want to help anyone. No, I 100% agree. I mean, no, one quote that they said was like, where our mindset is like to be giving, but we're raised to be selfish. 
if that makes sense. Like we're in a very selfish world. Like it's, it is a very mm-hmm. dog eat dog world, especially if you're in corporate, like that's just how it is. You're going to fight to be on projects. You're going to like fight to get promotions. You're going to like fight to do all these things. But naturally, like we are very giving, like we're supposed to be giving. Oh, we find meaning out of giving, but we're like put in such an environment where that's not, that's always the case. I mean, like, okay, well, let me make an analogy with like tennis, right? So tennis players, they're not really helping anybody else on the court if you look at it on a really plain surface level, but they're doing what they love and it gives them purpose to, you know, be winning grand slams and whatnot. But us as audience watching them, it gives me happiness to be seeing people succeed that way. So it's, it's helping me and it's, it's driven me into this quarter life crisis where I'm thinking about my own life and what Mm. I want to be doing with my own life. So essentially like it has helped in the end, like what they do does help. So Mm -hmm. everything that you do kind of reflects on other people and rubs off on other people in a way where it can help them. It just depends on how they see it. I think that's, yeah. I mean, even it's like seeing some of your friends like succeed that for itself is like inspiration for you to do. Like yeah. to try to be better as well. Like, don't get me wrong. This is not a message to be like, oh yeah, only focus on yourself. Like don't give a crap about anybody else. It's like, like still be a kind person. But yeah, like, if you're trying to find purpose in yourself, like you've got to, I don't know. Yeah. You've got to look deep within so that then yeah, you can exactly. give. You've got to find yeah. that inner peace before you can help anybody else. Yeah. All right, we're going to sack that volunteering trip. We'll go back <laughs> to, uh, we'll go to the snow. We're going to get really good and inspire the next generation of skiers and snowboarders. <laughs> Your purpose right, we're back is- on track. <laughs> Your purpose is to just meet Eileen Goo. <laughs> we already did. We did, yeah. And I, and I, was, I was flustered as couldn't say a word. Um, okay, well then, whilst we're talking about how our relationship, I guess, with other people, I want to talk about quarter life crisis in the sense of relationships as well. Like, do you, do you guys being, I guess, like you're both single at the moment, um, in your mid twenties, do you feel any sense of like? crises in that regard and not that i'm saying you should by the way i'm just just no, a question no, no, no. no offense taken like, quite frankly like hard no like no i just i probably did when i was uh, like maybe in my earlier uni days when i was like 20 21 like everyone's dating around you and you know on campus you're very much just seeing like couples like everyone mm. has a routine with their partner whereas i was very much you know just on my own like in my own friendship group kind of thing but as I've gotten older, I've come to realize, like, it's probably quite different to other people who have gotten older. Like, I can compare to my sister, right? She has had a boyfriend since she was uh, 19, 20, and they've been dating since, like, they recently got engaged. But all she was hearing for the past eight, nine years was, oh, when are you going to get engaged? When are you mm. going to get married? Like, now it's, oh, when are you going to have kids? So, like, I kind of feel for her in that sense of, like, that pressure that she's getting from my family. But the same pressure that they apply on me, oh, when are you going to get a boyfriend? Like... I've just learned to like brush it under the rug. Like I'm, I'm like very much just, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm, I, I can take care of myself. I can make money for myself. Um, I'm very much just finding happiness like within like, so it's not really <laughs> a big thing for me. If, if I like, if you were talking to like the 12 year old me, I should have been married and like had two kids by now. So <laughs> Damn, that's pretty just, early. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you can like, I was meant to have three kids by 28. So that's what three years away. Like, Things just change throughout life and you've just got to learn to adapt and like deal with the mental process behind it. You can't always expect to be living, you know, your standard life because, yeah. I'm also 
a no, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I was ever actually in a rush. It was more so just like, oh, I'm in a relationship. Oh, obviously not now. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't feel any urge to like really rush into a relationship. I think my mindset now is kind of just, if something happens, it happens. But like for the most part, I'd rather just be working on myself and try to be a better version of myself. Cause then I guess by indirectly, you're going to probably be a better person for your, whoever like your partner is. But that being said, yeah, I think it's same, same, but as like Vicky, why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I'll, I'll keep. I'll keep it off camera. <laughs> uh, here we go. Anyways, um, yeah. So yeah, same thing. Where like my parents are probably rushing me. Even just like last week, I had dinner with them, and they were like, "Like, how about you just hurry up and get married, and then pop a grandkid out for me?" And I'm like, "Okay." Uh, <laughs> like, I'm I'm gonna purposely wait until I'm like 35 to pop a grandkid out then or something like that. Like, yeah, I don't feel any necessary rush to do things at the moment. You're lucky, though, because, like, you don't have a biological clock, like, ticking, you know. Like, mm. I think for girls, it's, like, you're very much, like, well, I don't know about you, Rach, but my mum has always been, like, you know, you've got to have kids before you're 30. Like, once you, like, pass 30, it's, like, it's the biggest drag. Like, you'll be tired all the time, fatigued. Like, it, just have kids while you're early, while you have the energy to have them. But, yeah, I've learned to just block out that type of noise <laughs> yeah but it is like at this point it is in our near future like in the next I don't know like I do want to have a kid close to 30 31 mm. 32 uh, whatever yeah. it is not too late um but I, right now um, if I, Lucas. <laughs> I'm not even married yet <laughs> Lucas, Lucas. Just thrusting in the background <laughs> um no but when I think about it I'm like well 30s like in four years from now and I don't feel ready at all to have a kid like I feel like a kid still so sometimes there is that like that anxiety in the back of your mind of like when I get to that age will I even be ready and people will say like you're never ready to have a kid really yeah yeah but I'm like I'm legitimately I can't picture myself even doing it like I'm so terrified of (laughs) that feeling like when we see kids like I mean not kids we see our friends like being engaged and stuff and like them starting families like you're just like what the hell like how are they doing it like at this age like people popping kids out when they're like 22 I can't even find my freaking left sock like half the time (laughs) like (laughs) like yeah it's just mind-blowing but everyone moves at like different paces but Mm. it's a good point with the biological clock like there feels like it, there's an there's a enforced timeline still for us that you have to follow. Mm, I don't know. I, I want kids, but like the older I've gotten, the more I've realized like it doesn't really matter like if I have kids or not. I'm not rushed. If if I find a partner like by miracle <laughs> sometime <laughs> within the next few years, then yeah, I'll think about it. But that's just not really where my head's at right now. Do you feel like like you won't necessarily be ready to have a kid, but like you need to be at least somewhat content with the life you have lived so far before having a kid because mm. it's like to some degree you're like as soon as you have a kid your priorities are you know it's the kid like you can't really like do a lot of like things that you would naturally want to do so I, I don't know I wouldn't want to be raising a kid and then eventually be a little bit resentful because like they, they maybe like took away like time and money yeah and that's just like yeah that's just a realistic case of it right well, I think that's why I don't want to have a kid right now. It's because I haven't done a lot of things that I still want to do. And I don't even know what those things are, though. But I remember, like, um, 
this year on my birthday when Lucas took me to brunch, there was a there were two ladies sitting like next to us at the table and one of them had a kid and I was overhearing their conversation and the friend was like, so um, has like childbirth, like have, has having, having a kid lived up to your expectations or has like it changed everything you thought? And then the mum was like, yeah, because you remember I said before I had a kid that I didn't want the kid to basically take away like not take away everything, like be the priority or the centre of my life. But realistically now they were like, now that you have the kid, it's li- there's literally no other way. Like they have to be the centre of your life. And she was talking about how like she wanted to ha- have time to do all these other things as well while still being able to raise a kid, but you can't do that. So it's like something you have to take into account still. Probably people just underestimate how much. And also just like the impact that it would have on the kid in the future as well. Like you can't be like a neglecting parent because mm. then, you know, that raises you know, a certain type of kid. Well, what if like, what if your kid becomes a serial killer? What? <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to too many of those. That's, uh, that's not my kid. Um, but as part of that as well, like um, I guess why I think about this and related to the quarter life crisis is like what you said, um, parents or like grandparents kind of asking you, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? That sort of thing. And for me, it's, I have like a very, very close relationship with my grandma and I would like to get married or like I would like to have a grandkid before she passes away. Mm. But because we are getting older in our lives, I'm getting very worried as well because I feel like I've lived up to a point now where life has just been sunshine and rainbows. And I think that's when we are young, we get to experience a lengthy period of that before we start to like lose people who we really, really care about. And for me, like I haven't lost someone I really care about yet. Um, and so these days I will think a lot about like, well, maybe first first is Jaeger, <laughs> like my dog. <laughs> um, how will I feel then? I don't even know how I'll cope with loss or like grief yet. And so I'm starting to get really stressed about those things because once they happen or I think, oh, maybe my grandma only has like 10 10 years left in her or like it could be less any day something could happen that you're not expecting and it's what you face when you get to your like 30s to mid 30s is those times where you start to lose the people around you and I think that's when you really change from being like a child to then having more of like a grown-up adult mentality I don't know have you I don't I I'm probably in the same boat as you Rach where like oh like I've had my grandpa passed away from my dad's side but like that was when I was very young and like Mm. I had no clue like that had happened and it never really like sunk in but then now I'm at a stage where it's like okay like a relative could pass away at any time now and there was like scare cases at some like throughout the years as well and it's like I I haven't part of me a bit scared about how I react because I think about it but I'm not necessarily sad if that makes sense, but like I'm not sure what my actual reaction would be if it were to act- were to occur. But from like, if I were to think about it, like I can't like fathom the type of like thoughts that would happen. Yeah. So I'm a bit yeah, a bit worried. Sometimes I think about it and I cry. Oh, okay. <laughs> At night I'm thinking about it and I'm like so sad. I yeah I, it's yeah definitely rela- relatable. Um, but I lost my grandpa who I was really close with like when I was about 12. Mm. And even though I was really young back then, it still like hit hard as well. 
But, you know, when like when you take a step back and think about it, it could happen to anyone, like regardless of age. Like, yeah. And you can even apply the same mentality to yourself. You could pass away randomly. Like not say like, you know, like, <laughs> touch wood. I also think about that a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. But, like if you were to pass, like if someone were to tell you, look, you're going to pass away in three days, would you be happy with what you've done with your life so far? Mm. No. Yes or no? Definitely not. My answer would be yes. Like, you know, I, I'm not a freaking Grand Slam winning champion, but like I'm happy with the friends I've made. I'm happy with the connections I've built. I'm happy with, you know, the mark that I've left behind. Mm. I would also, yeah, I think I would be close to saying yes, um, but that's what I try to remind myself a lot in my job is if you were to pass away like in the next week, with how much stress you have over a job right now, like is that worth it? And a lot of the times it's not. And like these past few months have been really stressful for me at work. And like I always try to tell myself now, like I saw this TikTok and I've been telling everyone about this. I tell like the interns at my job as well. Um, the TikTok was saying how when you get a job, or like when you apply for it, you see the job description, you see the requirements and like they just, they list the the problems that you need to be solving in that role. And so when you get the job and you join and you're all eager, you start to make that job, those job requirements or those jobs problems, your own problems. Like you start to identify as like, these are my problems in my life that I need to solve. And that causes a lot of stress. Right. But what's the most important thing to remember is like, no, these are actually, these are your jobs problems and your jobs problems are not your own problems. So when you log off at the end of the day, like when you log off at the end of a day, like you you should be able to just split yourself away from that and not feel constantly stressed of like, oh man, how am I going to like get our next thousand customers and all those sorts of things? Because like you leave that at work, like those are your job's problems. And then you can focus on your own life problems. And that it like helps a little bit for me in terms of compartmentalizing when I'm kind of like, my job is taking over my life. Mm. Do you feel like if you were to pursue like that more content creator side, that line would be a bit more blurred because for example like if you're doing youtube like it is technically your job but at the same time it's like part of your lifestyle as well so then like your off hours isn't necessarily a nine to five like when you're doing something in like in that space your probably your, your problems will be i guess carried forth throughout like even after like i guess clock, theoretically clocking off yeah I feel like when you're self-employed, you don't have the luxury to think in that way as much. But also if you are self-employed, you probably are passionate enough about solving those problems that it's worth it to be thinking about it more. Yeah, that's true. Do you guys use any like mantras in your life to remind yourself of happy times or like to help get yourselves through life? Uh, Do you have an example? I'm not too sure. So I think a lot like... Not my circus, not my monkeys. I think about that a lot. Um, I saw this other TikTok where a guy was like, yeah, sometimes things happen and then I look at myself in the mirror and I say, that's showbiz, baby. (laughs) Because it reminds you that things are not that deep. I also think a lot like it's not that deep. I think about that a lot. So I don't know, like do you have those sorts of like thoughts that help reinforce tough times? Tough times never last. <laughs> Only tough Only people tough last. people do. <laughs> uh, I don't have a mantra to necessarily remind myself of like happy times per se. It's most probably more to be like productive or like try to be more like making the most or like taking next steps throughout. So, dude, as like 
I got it from like a manga, <laughs> but it's not from, it's not actually directly from a manga. It's, um, it's an actual quote, but it was like a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And that for me probably has like resonated the most throughout the years where it's just like, or well, I don't know what the end of the journey could be, but as long as I like do whatever's maybe next and then slowly just like, I don't know, slowly go through that pathway. I don't know. Yeah. But it's not necessarily a mantra for, um, mm. you know, with, what manga is that from? From Haikyuu. Oh, <laughs> what about volleyball? Of course your one's from manga. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Sometimes it's just good inspiration, you know? Mm. Okay, so don't look. What? You're going to read it out anyway. <laughs> this one doesn't really apply to like, you know, finding happiness, but it's more about like finding like just zen and like inner peace. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Wait, is that, <laughs> Wait, what? That's, Wait, is that it? <laughs> that's it. Wait, can I read it? I did it like. But it starts with an if. Yeah, that's that's because it's like a broken sentence. Like you just, like just let the thought linger. You know. Ah. Yeah. It's I thought just there like was a when, second part, like then. Ba- yeah, basically, the my interpretation of it is if you can treat your highs of highs and lows of lows with the same mentality, then you've found your happiness. Ah, uh, and you came up with the then. The then. Well, I think yeah. she might have just misread it. <laughs> what, Wait, is that, it, there's no, no then. There's no then. There's no then. Yeah. I said, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Is that, you know what? Replay the tape. I feel like they just, <laughs> did, did they forget the end of the sentence? No, it, how do it's, you not understand it's that? To, like, it's your interpretation. <laughs> yeah, it's your interpretation. If like, you can do those things and then it's like the possibilities are endless in your mind. Right, 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 right. But, the sentence is meant to be unfinished. Yeah. It went over our head. It was too... It, it was, was too deep. Yeah. It was too deep. Yeah. Mine's about like footsteps and shit and then she's got an incomplete sentence. <laughs> tough Luke. times never last. <laughs> Only tough people last. Lucas has one as well, which um, he really likes a lot. What is and it? And he's looking at me like he we doesn't know what it is. Guest like. speaker. <laughs> Come over here. Insert the drum roll. It's um, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The next best time is now. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's very motivating. Yeah. Right, um, I'm going to finish with, I saw, so I've been referring to a TikTok a lot and I think maybe TikTok is what fuels my quarter life crisis. <laughs> but I saw this video and I wanted to read it back to you guys. Maybe you've seen this before, but have you seen the one where it's like, what's the number one thing people regret when they're on like their deathbeds and there's like a top five list of things that people will say. Mm, I haven't watched it. But is that I like haven't. a, do they survey people? Yeah, that? yeah, it's like this. And the study is made by a nurse that is oh, taking yeah, care yeah. of patients at an old retirement home. Okay, number five is, I wish I'd let myself be happier. That's, that's number one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all, I'm living my life. <laughs> You're not on your deathbed yet, man. <laughs> Number four was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Mm. yeah which i think like for both of you friendship is extremely important yeah the older you get the less friends you have i feel but you know it's the ones that matter i think you like you find a small circle of truly quality friends who you really like resonate with and then everyone else is like they're more acquaintances like you, you catch up here and there yeah yeah number three i wish i had the courage to express my feelings is that all about unrequited love <laughs> maybe any feeling like yeah. if you have things that are festering deep down that you didn't say those things. 
I think that applies more to Elian. Um, what? I'm not <laughs> no, a simp. no, 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 no. I'm not a simp. Okay. Do you have well, some feelings you want to express, Elian? <laughs> no. <laughs> Egg looking at me in the back, I'm being like, fuck this bloody simp. <laughs> Number two is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Probably not us at the moment. I feel like I haven't peaked in work efforts yet. <laughs> mm. I don't agree with that one, actually. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, I worked hard for the what, last six, seven years to be where I am today and I, I have no regret doing that. It's it's given me the opportunity to change up what I do now. I resonate most with this one. Mm. I think I work or like maybe I think too much about work all the time that mm. I probably don't spend enough time with like friends and family or like doing things or just resting. Like mm. I never rest. Yeah. So two of my close friends told me that two years ago. They're like, you just need to rest. And yeah. It's hit me now. You need to like take it, take things slow. Maybe take it's your cue slow. to take some rest now, Rach. Quit your job. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> quitting. My team probably listens to my podcast. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not quitting. This is Rachel's <laughs> two month resignation. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, there's no number one. <laughs> the video just ended. I think. I think number one is probably like spending more time with your parents. I remember watching something similar. Oh, okay. Because you know what, like parents are like your roots. And mm. it's like when they're gone and it will be soon, you won't mm. even realise it. I think that will probably be one of my biggest regrets, not spending more time with my parents. Yeah. I think the other thing is like as part of that, you should take as many photos of your parents as possible because once they're gone, those are the things that are going to remind you of them. Because it's sad now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah you, should, you should be like and then I guess what's scary sometimes is you see like photos and you're like, well, Lucas said this the other day. He saw a photo of his mum and he was like, oh, my God, she's so old. I'm like, she's an old lady. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> he was like, I never realised, like, she got – she looked like that now. Yeah, I think we mentioned this, like, in the Moving Out podcast as well, like, with parents. Like, I make a conscious effort now mm. to just, like, every time I see my mum, I, I give her a hug. Like, mm. it's just, like – it's just, like, the small things that, you know – that's true. I let my mum hug me now. It's <laughs> a great first step. I told Ellie the other day, I'm like, you should tell your mum you love her. And yeah, like, do no. it. He's tell like, her no. you love her. No, I didn't say, no. hold on, viewers, by the way, I didn't say no outright like that. It was just. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> no, I just said, oh, it's just something we don't really say. Like our ways of like showing affection within our family is just different. Like we don't necessarily say I love you, but like we through actions. Yeah. Like, that's how we show that we care. Well, then I challenge you this week to tell your mum you love her. Yeah. I, ch I challenge I everyone listening to tell their parents they love them. Oh, <laughs> tell God. everyone you love them. Yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> love you too, Rach. <laughs> Not you, Elian. Oh. <laughs> and on that note, I will wrap up there. So thank you guys so much for joining me today and talking through our quarter-life crises. That's yeah, quite therapeutic. Yeah. I don't think we worked much out, but I think we got it out there. <laughs> Yeah, I think people just know our problems, but we don't know any <laughs> solutions to our problems. Yeah, and that's not the point of this podcast anyway. So we're not here to tell other people how to live their lives. We're just figuring it out as much as everyone else is. Um, but, yeah, thanks for, to everyone else for listening. Remember to tune in every Wednesday for the sugar, the spice, and everything that's nice in life with the Bliss Bakery. We'll see you all next time. Bye. See ya. Bye.